From KIOS in Omaha and Exorbin Creative, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. On today's show, I have a conversation with Tony Bonacci, director of the award-winning film The Headliner. I feel like with my early stuff, I was just trying to be random and weird, like Harmony Corinne. Like I was, yeah. I was inspired by somebody, and I feel like I was ba- that was just basically me saying, "I'm trying to be like him," or "I'm trying." Like if you watch my my super early stuff, it's just trying to be random. Like mm-hmm. it's like I have a couple shorts that I wrote that are just so freaking weird, and there is really no plot. So Isn't I that- finally got to the point where I realized that story is important. So now I collaborate with people that I like their own. Bonacci discusses his life and work, and later in the show, musician Hector Anchando discusses his life as a musician during COVID-19. Stick around for my conversations with Tony Bonacci and Hector Anchando right here on Riverside Chats. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today we're playing a conversation I had with director Tony Bonacci in 2019. Bonacci got his start working in photography and has directed several music videos, shorts, and he's currently adapting his most recent short, The Headliner, into a feature film that will be shot in Nebraska after COVID-19 restrictions have lifted. Here's a clip from The Headliner. It was your choice to come back. Do you even want to be here? Oh, that's sweet. I missed you too. You disappear for five months and then show up late tonight. What's the problem? I've got like 30 before I go on. It's fine. You have 10. You're on next. I'm on after Bruce. This is Bruce's show. He's headlining. Bruce? No, I'm the headliner. You were the headliner. But I'm funnier than him. The headliner stars Derek Silkman, who I talked to in an earlier episode of Riverside Chats, about his take on the role and his hopes for the feature. The headliner won Best Narrative Short at the Lincoln Short Film Festival and played at the Filmstream's local filmmaker showcase as well as the Omaha Film Festival. It's also available on Shorts TV. You can find the headliner on YouTube. Later in the show, musician Hector Anchando will discuss how COVID-19 has changed his method of performance so he can still reach an audience even if none of them can be in the same room with him at the moment. But first, here is my conversation with director Tony Bonacci. How many films have you made before this one? Oh, man. I don't even know the exact number, but it's something like 10, like maybe 10 shorts or something like that. Like, and also music videos and stuff like that. So, when did that all start? How'd you get into this sort of stuff? Um, It's the cliche story of like, oh, I was a kid and I was making Star Wars stop motion action (laughs) uh, stuff with like camcorders and stuff like that. But so I'm 35 and. Uh, basically when I was like 15 or 16 I started just doing little funny videos and then me and my friends would always do like just goofy little short films and stuff like that there's some still on YouTube that like we cannot delete which is kind of funny that we can't I'm actually glad we can't delete them because because you can't get into the account yeah that they're it's, it's an old it's old, it's an old account called if anybody wants to watch it it's called pure swines <laughs> that was you, your friends in high school yeah uh, well I'm still really good friends with them they're like my best friends my Mike okay. and Isaiah, but when we were kids, because we we were like raised together and stuff like that. When we were younger, we like would just make funny shorts and stuff like that, like irreverent, kind of messed up. Like our parents never saw them. Like were these like it's like a sketch sketches. Yeah, kind of just like okay. we would yeah. just like come up with something for that day and work on it. And like we were like, we can't let your parents see this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so. Was I mean, did you know at that point you wanted to be behind the camera? Or? Yeah. Okay. I, I weirdly, well, I guess it's not weird, but like I, so I started out wanting to be a cinematographer, like uh, at a young age in high school, I knew I wanted to be a cinematographer. So I actually like, that was kind of my focus. Um, 
And now I've moved to directing because, of course, the old the old classic, like, I want to be in charge of what I do. And right. Whatever. Yeah. But I started actually like just uh, wanting to be a cinematographer. And I started with Nick Fackler. Like, do you know him? The Omaha filmmaker? Yeah. 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 So I actually started with him. We became friends because I worked with his friend Robbie at uh, Gamers out, uh, on 72nd and Dodge. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, my friend Nick like uh, wants to start directing films and stuff like that. So if you want to be a cinematographer, I should introduce you to him. So then he did. And essentially we made like three, three or four shorts together or something like that. So well, how are you even aware friends? of cinematography yeah. though? Like, I feel like most people just assume that's the director <laughs> until they actually start to look into it a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of when I first started like knowing what differences were. I think it all started because like the first time I ever got completely like interested in film was when I accidentally saw the movie kids at like at 3am on HBO. That's a and pretty I was crazy like, what movie. is yeah. this? And so like I looked into that and then, you know, Larry Clark, Harmony Crin. Harmony Crin was always like my favorite director for the longest time. Interesting. Okay. And I still sometimes go to that. I don't think he's absolutely my favorite. I think I, I don't have an absolute favorite. It's like five, but, uh, so that's how I started getting into it at a young age was like kids and then Gummo was one of Harmony Corinne's films. Mm-hmm. And so like I was just obsessed with like looking into all that different stuff. And then I I just started shooting stuff and I was like, oh, I can do this. I can do cinematography. And, did you uh, do photography as well? Yeah, okay. I did photography. And it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I actually went away from the idea of being a cinematographer because I got overwhelmed by the technology and um, essentially I just didn't have the confidence. Like I was like, there's no way, like I can't afford to go to film school. Like there's so many people that are at the top level. I will never be able to know how to do all that stuff. Like, so I kind of gave up and I started doing photography stuff because that's what age very, were you when you started um, giving up? Maybe like 20, okay. like something like that. Like, yeah, I think around 20 or 22, I kind of gave up on not gave up on cinematography, but kind of let photography take over because I was doing a lot of band stuff like mm-hmm. locally and stuff like that. And so it's got to be a lot easier to do photography as yeah, opposed to finding cinematography jobs. Yeah. I mean, in photography is a like a very one person thing. So mm-hmm. I also think it was just an easier thing to do. And I was like, oh, this is easy. And also it gives you that ability to create an image that's kind of the same idea, but mm-hmm. like framing and lighting and all that. So Right. But. Well, I, I feel like a lot of people, it takes a long time to understand what makes a good frame. I mean, you can kind of like, you know it if you see it to some extent, but then to know how to reproduce one or to make your own is hard. It's like, what was the process for you to even figure out what is good photography, what is good cinematography? Oh man, I'm sure it's just like everybody else, like where they reference it off stuff they like. Like, yeah. uh, so what were, what were some this kind of looks like a shot from that movie or right. like, or like the lighting. And, it, I, and you know what I think it is, is like, you don't even know how to explain it. You're just like, this looks like that, or this right. looks like a scene from a movie, but you don't know why yet. Mm-hmm. It's just because you're experimenting and messing around with a camera. And when you, when you get more experience, you can explain, Oh, there's the slight backlight from the sun, but also it's bouncing off this, uh, like red painted wall inside. And that's why you're getting that cool look. Like you can explain it later, but when you're younger, you're just kind of experimenting and stuff like that. For what were some of the benchmarks for you though? Like, okay, that's like the best shot movie I've seen, or I love this photography or whatever it might be for you. Um, man, all the, obviously all the, uh, uh, Scorsese movies are like completely epic as far as cinematography yeah. and like Boardwalk Empire. I was obsessed with that series and like I just, love the way he moves the camera yeah. so much. The cinematography uh, on his projects is just insane. So yes, just stuff. Uh, that's probably one of the main ones that like influenced me and 
made me finally start realizing that type of stuff. So, yeah. And then, so when you started, I mean, did you do a lot of cinematography then? I know you said you did a few shorts. Kind of. I mean, as much as I like could, if that makes sense. Like I didn't, I didn't go to film school. Like it's Omaha. Like there wasn't an insane amount of like projects going on. So I always tried to get involved with different projects and do my own projects and stuff like that. So I was trying to do it as much as possible. But I feel like there weren't like that many outlets for doing cool projects and stuff like that. Do you find I mean, were the directors that you were able to find projects with, were they receptive to whatever you wanted to bring to it or were they kind of control freaks about it? Uh, I think they were mainly like open to ideas and stuff. OK, yeah. that's good. And I usually only worked with people even on that small level, just that like I felt like we both liked the same type of stuff. Mm -hmm. stuff so yeah. Was there a temptation to go out of Omaha, though, and just give it a try somewhere else? Yeah, definitely. Like. I've moved away. Well, I've moved away a couple of Midwest cities. So I've moved away to Minneapolis once and that lasted like six months. And then I moved to Kansas City, which was like a two year thing because I lived in Kansas City and then Lawrence. OK. And that was cool. But uh, was that to try to do creative things? No, or just, uh -uh. just I was mainly or? it was mainly for girls. Girls. OK. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Girls. One was a friend that uh, they convinced me to move to Minneapolis with them. And then, yeah, um, Kansas City and Lawrence was both for girls. So. Yeah. Were you doing it's creative not, things? It's never, I, I don't recommend moving for girls, but it also is like, I don't regret moving. Like it was fun. Good like experiences. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and so, okay. You said you're in your early twenties, you're kind of giving up on some of those dreams, but then mm -hmm. when was the point when you started to get back into it? Um, honestly, so I, I kind of came back. I can't think, I can't think of what project it was that made me like kind of come back into it. But I do know when I moved back from Kansas city to Omaha, um, a f an old family friend of mine was like, oh, do you want to start working at this film company as a PA, like just production assistant, like just helping out and like whatever. It'd be a good part time job, like getting some income and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. So basically, like fast forward, like I was there five years. And so I ended up being a production assistant for like four years. And then I started assistant directing and then just basically like learning a lot. That was my film school, honestly, like going and working at the, the biggest company in Omaha, which isn't like I say, I'm, I'm not a hater of Omaha, but the biggest company in Omaha, that's not really saying that much. Right, I mean, yeah. it, it was top of the line equipment. And like, I learned like how the set works and stuff like that. And it was just cool to like make those connections, like with all the guys that are on the crew and the ladies, of course. But, uh, what projects were you working on? Uh, just a bunch of commercials, like regional and national commercials and stuff like that. And then, uh, still in the meantime, like being like, Oh, maybe I can start doing this again. So then I started up doing shorts and music videos again. Was it, I mean, time, so. I'm sure you were watching a lot of movies in this mm -hmm. time, even when you'd given up. Was it hard to watch a really good movie and without having that sort of nagging feeling behind you where it's like, oh, this could be me. Maybe I could try something like this. Why did I give it up? Uh, kind of. Yeah, definitely. Like when you would see something and it would inspire you to want to do something. But I did keep myself like occupied by uh, photography. So I was doing a ton of band photography that was getting like national publication and stuff like that. So that was kind of satisfying. And then also I started playing music like with my brother, like we started a band and I think it was 2005 or 2006. What was the band? Um, it was called, uh, uh, Hyannis. I don't know why I forgot it first. Cause I've had three, I've been in three different bands. So, okay. What kind of called, music was it? It was kind of Beatlesy. Like, kind oh, of, well, I mean, it was, here's what it was. It was Midwestern young kids trying to be the Beatles. Like sure. that's what okay. it was. So, <laughs> so it was Beatlesy. And then I had a group with my sister called, uh, the Bennington's. And then recently I had a group called the Derby Birds. So the thing is, is I was always creatively satisfied by music and like recording music. I've, I record people's albums occasionally and stuff like wow, that. Too, so, so 
you've got you know your your skills are in a lot of different places then yeah so and honestly that i like that but also i hate it because i always think like you always have those what if like thoughts and my my thought has always been like oh if i focused on directing since i was younger like where would i be like even though even though i didn't have money or go to film school like where would i be if i just focused like well, but don't you so. think, I mean, <laughs> your skills as a director to some extent are probably better because you have some of these other interests as well. Like knowing how to record music, I'm sure is useful on a film yeah, set, definitely. for example, yeah. or even just understanding music well, mm-hmm. I'm sure is helpful in mm-hmm. figuring out how the sound and the music is going to work on your movies. Yeah, definitely. It does help a lot too. And it's also a taste thing. Like I think a big part of directing is just taste. That that's that's like all of it. not not all it is, but uh, <laughs> like being into photography and music and stuff like that. I think it develops a taste, and that's what a director can bring to a project is basically just their taste. Like I don't think it's necessarily that's why like actors start directing and other people like you anybody can direct, but it's just about their taste and like what they bring to that. Like as far as that, so yeah, it's not like the action of directing is that hard. Yeah, I mean, I've always found like to make stuff in Omaha, you basically so much of the headache is the running of the production. Yeah. And like the the direction is to some extent its own headache as well. But it's like you can't like I've never been able to divorce the two. Like, I don't know what it'd be like to just show up and direct something. Exactly. I kind of don't either. Like I kind of did that with the short film, the headliner I just did. But even then, I like I'm too much of a control freak in kind of a like a dumb way. Like I'll. I like I wake up early and I'm like, do I have the craft service bags in a row? Like I, I literally <laughs> yeah. was bringing all my own like, it, oh, the coffee maker and the and the beans from Blue Line. Like, you know what I mean? Like I had to make sure I had all the but I shouldn't even be thinking about that stuff. It That's what I mean. Like yeah. a, I'm focused on like the lines and like what? Yeah, I, I have no idea what it'd be like just to only focus on the exactly. Directing. Yeah, I still don't. And I hope I do someday. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Tony Bonacci, director of the hit short film The Headliner, which he intends to shoot a feature adaptation of in Nebraska once COVID-19 restrictions have lifted. When you decided to go back and actually try directing again, what was the first project you ended up working on? Or tried even, it was directing for the first time, wasn't it? Because um, um, you'd kind of given up, you'd done photography, you'd done some bands. I think I I did, uh, I can't remember exactly what project it was, but when I go back to my oldest Vimeo video, <laughs> which is kind of like a, I think that might be what it was, but it was, a, it was actually, this is kind of dumb, but it was a video for my own group. It was for uh, the Benningtons, the group with my sister. So I just made a video and then that was kind of the start. And then I did a short film called Telephone. And then that kind of um, got me back into everything and I started doing it again. So did you write that one? I didn't. Actually, a, a guy named Sam Martin did, local, a local uh, writer and musician. So. Is that yeah. somebody you knew through music? or just Yeah, through okay. the music scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've never, yeah, like I've, I've always liked the idea of directing somebody else's stuff, but I've never figured out how to make that actually work with the people you know. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like so many of the projects you work on are just dependent on who's in your circles. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you figure it out. Yep. So, I mean, what was, was there something, was it just that it was the right time? You're like, okay, I want to direct something. I like the script. Was it something about the idea or I how did the project don't remember yeah, like just, <laughs> it might have just been like something as dumb as like oh I just want to do it again like yeah, yeah it wasn't that out. deep or anything yeah I don't know and so how did it turn out uh that video was pretty good I mean yeah I always I I, I never love anything I do like I yeah. wish I did but I'm always like everybody has those regrets like oh I wish I could do this better or like well, then there's the problem as well of just like you're kind of stuck with probably less of a budget than you'd like. And there's just the yeah. the unavoidable things that are always going to kind of nag at you. Yeah, there's never enough money. Right. I mean, most of my projects were like 
barely any money at all. Like yeah. uh, most of, so most of the shorts and music videos I've done, well, shorts, I should say, like early shorts were something like, you know, I spend three to $500 of my own money just on like mainly food for people. And then like whatever little props, weird prop we might need or something like that. Only in the last, like, uh, I'd say five years have I had like legit budgets and I, by legit, I mean like Omaha budgets, like, uh, indie Omaha, like, uh, so the headliner had, we had 3,500, which right, is like yeah. nothing for a film crew. Right. And then the one before that, the Enselberg effect, I want to say my budget was like 1500 or something like that. So yeah, I shouldn't even have said the word legit. <laughs> <laughs> Basically that's nothing, but, uh, it was enough for like craft service and then to give everybody like a stipend, you right. know, like, yeah. Oh, a hundred bucks per crew member and then like food and stuff like that. So, well, so you, okay. So yeah. you make telephone was the first one. Yeah, I think that might have been my first like uh, what I call like official short. I mean, I've had I've had tons of goofy shorts before mm-hmm. that, but yeah, I would say that's my first like official quote unquote short. So, and what was I mean? So you make it, and then what do you? What was the plan? And well, where did it go from there? Um, I'm trying to think of if that showed anywhere. I f- I feel like that showed at maybe the film streams showcase. Yeah, it did. Oh, really? Okay, it, did. So. it showed at the film stream showcase, and I forgot what year it was, but it was quite a while ago. Well, yeah, they're, they're so pretty then, hard to get into, though, aren't yeah, they? That one? So um, it must have been pretty good. I right? think they get a lot of submissions. Yeah, yeah. So and they do a good job at they they have different curators every year. So, but th- I mean, there's definitely been years where I didn't get in, where I'm like, what what went wrong? <laughs> yeah. But then I'm like, well, I can't be in it every year. <laughs> so. Right. Well, okay. So after that one, what was next? Oh, from from uh, from the telephone one. No, just what was, what was the next project? After oh, that? yeah. I'm not sure exactly what was right after that. So I guess some like like it's good. You're not that of, uh, narcissistic. Oh, I don't. You, you don't have it all memorized. Yeah, so I don't know. Nice. The, <laughs> I don't know the order. I guess if if I talk in milestones, like one of my favorite things I've done was a music video for Cursive, which is a like a group that started locally here mm-hmm. on Saddle Creek Records, and now they're like national. Well, I think they were national, like almost right away, but essentially they're an international group. That's, have you heard of them? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I directed a video for them on a $500 budget and basically put all my energy into it. Like, and I think we made a, like a super cool video and it's funny cause now that I think back on it, the regrets I always have are like equipment based and other people are like, no, who cares about that? Like we shot that on a 60 D like a Canon 60 D DSLR, which isn't even as good as like the best ones. Like it's right. kind of a mid range prosumer one. And I always regretted that. Cause I was like, why didn't I just bring for like, like an Epic or like a, you know, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. so, um, which I wish, I wish we would have, but everybody that likes it and sees it is like, it seriously does not matter. Like it's, it's about what's like on screen and what you did and stuff like that. So that's one of my favorite things I've done. How do you make a good music video? What's your philosophy? Uh I don't, I've never done it. <laughs> no, You've never made a good one? No, I've never made a good one. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. That's how, that's that's how bad I am. For. I honestly think that way. Yeah, like I, I, I never love, I wish I loved stuff that I did, but I honestly don't like, and I'm sure that they're okay, like are good and other people might like them, but I never feel like I truly get what I want or like not get what I want, but create what I want, I guess. Like, well, is uh, that, does that come to some extent from not knowing what you want or, I mean, do you have a clear picture? No, it's just a thing where I think it is like an OCD, like a, uh, like nitpicky thing. Like, man, this could have been better. And I know everybody talks about that, but it's so true. Like you just, you're just like, man, this could have been so much better if I did this, this and this. But do you when you're mean, on set, there's just not time and things come yeah. at you like super fast and like, yeah. Would you say you have a really particular vision going into? to filming generally that you just don't quite have the resources to achieve 
Not necessarily. Like I'm one of those directors where I honestly like just letting stuff happen and mm-hmm. like letting other people bring things to the production, like uh, the talent, the other crew members. I like I like kind of seeing what happens and obviously hoping for the best and like kind of guiding that. But I do like that. And I know it's cliche, but I like that magic of everybody coming together and then like seeing what gets created out of that. Because you always have in your mind like a picture of what you think it's going to be. And it is never that. Like That's, it never yeah. ends up like that. I've talked to some people who seem to be very satisfied. They're like, yeah, I came up with the idea and then we shot it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how on a, like a low or no budget level you ever get anywhere close to what you had in your yeah, head. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Um, but Maybe I just think low budget. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's, that's something that you kind of have to learn at a certain point. To like think you, realistically. Yeah, yeah, you accept at a certain exactly. point. It's not going to look like we spent a million dollars because yeah. we can't spend a million dollars. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I find that it's definitely useful to go in with that open sort of sense where it's like, because I can't, I don't have the resources to control every single detail, I'm more likely to get a good product if I can figure out how to work with what's there yeah. uh, in the moment rather uh-huh. than trying really hard to make it look like this magical thing in my yeah. head. Um, but so, I mean, you try that, but okay. So music videos are in general or something where I've kind of like, I've helped on a couple of music videos. I've never uh-huh. directed one, but I'm curious, like how do you figure out what the story that you want to tell visually is when you listen to a song and then decide to do the video? So my experience with music videos has been like fun and cool, but never completely. I'm trying to think actually I've had a couple really satisfying ones, but, uh, usually here's how it works is like you have to, it's almost like a commercial. You have to cater to the client. And client is a dumb thing to say for a music video, but it's the band. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just showing the comparison between like a commercial or something. Uh, but so you got to do what they want. Kind of like you say, Hey, do you guys have any rough idea of like, as far as this is how I've approached it is like, do you have any idea of like what you would want? And usually they have an idea of what they want to do. And you basically just have to kind of make that. So cursive, honestly, I, so I wrote an idea and a treatment for cursive and they did not have one change. And so that's one of the reasons I like that because it was so fun to be able to just do my own story, my own video for that. But, uh, almost every other music video I've done has been where they had an idea, a rough idea. And then they wanted me to kind of go with that. And I've never absolutely been like, super hardcore into those ideas if that makes sense like i like weird stuff like i like dark comedy i like uh yeah so basically i feel like a lot of my music videos are kind of tame and kind of safe um because you have to do what the band wants like Mm -hmm. obviously a band wants what they want they don't want i mean some people want a completely original idea and like but it's kind of yeah i mean the music videos are fun but i feel like they're never fully like your thing like you have to basically collaborate with the band, which is fine. Like it's always been fine. Like the music videos I've made, I like, but I feel like the only one that I absolutely love is the cursive one. And, uh, actually I just did a super eight music video, uh, in Kansas city with a group called those far out arrows. Oh, and shot it's on, more shot on super eight. Yeah, okay. super eight. So we did five rolls of super eight and it's just them kind of messing around in Kansas city and having fun. So that was actually cool. There's no concept. It's just them messing around and like, is this the first time you shot time. on film or have you been able to do that before? Um, I've shot on super uh, 16 millimeter with Nick Fackler actually on one of his shorts a long time ago. Nice. And so we did that. And then I recently got into super eight with my friend, Aaron gum and he's another filmmaker here in town. So. Yeah. I've met Aaron. Yeah. yeah and, he's uh, awesome. Yeah, I met him mainly through, uh, like, I think at the Endor. I think I did a Q&A oh, for an Endor yeah, screening. Yeah. That's where I met him. I wonder if I saw, I wonder if I had heard that then, because I went to one of the screenings a long time ago, yeah. Back but yeah, you, I heard that, some. maybe he told me that you did that. Yeah, that's cool. I'm talking with director Tony Bonacci, whose award-winning short film, The Headliner, is available on YouTube. 
We'll continue the conversation after the break. Stay with us right here on Riverside Chats. Sure, this year's Pride Month looks a little different, but even without the parades, there are plenty of great ways to show your support for the LGBTQ community. Here's one that's easy. Listen to our new playlist, Celebrating Pride with NPR. It's packed with diverse voices that showcase a community as vibrant and united as ever. Find it on Spotify now by searching Celebrating Pride with NPR. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm talking today with director Tony Bonacci about his films, his music videos, and his photography. Since we spoke, Bonacci has even started a podcast with Aaron Gum called The Munchie Boys. Here's a trailer. Hello? Want to be a Munchie Boy? Listen to Omaha's new goofy food podcast, The Munchie Boys. Every week, we get food from a different local restaurant. Let's go. We munch. Yes, there is munch. And talk about the experience. What we got. Where did we go? We're still there. Two boxes of food. In lighthearted banter. I just jammed the rest of the Mediterranean in my mouth. Meatball-based items. In a way that is both zany. This is going to be crazy. We might end up throwing up. And fun. My hands are burning. Hell yeah. Every episode features an exclusive song. Where we sing about our weekly adventures and feature a different analog synth. It's a synth model. Play the track now. Now, yeah, we yeah, yeah. It sounds like haha. Check out Munchie Boys on Spotify, YouTube, streaming or streaming, and most other digital outlets. Bonacci's short film, The Headliner, won Best Narrative Short at the Lincoln Short Film Festival and played in the Film Stream's local filmmaker showcase, as well as the Omaha Film Festival. It also played on Shorts TV and is available on YouTube right now. We spoke in 2019. Started doing Shorts music videos. I mean, have you written anything that you ended up directing or do you yeah. just see yourself yeah, as a director yeah, yeah, only? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But I say that in a negative way. Um, well, so well, so I've given up writing at this point. Um, okay. I'm, I'm fine contributing to like story, like story or idea. Um, but I'm absolutely never going to write. I don't think ever again because it's just because basically, uh, I feel like with my early stuff, I was just trying to be random and weird, like Harmony Corinne. Like I was, I was inspired by somebody and I feel like I was, that was just basically me saying, I'm trying to be like him or I'm trying, like, if you watch my, my super early stuff, it's just trying to be random. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, I have a couple shorts that I wrote that are just so freaking weird. And there is really no plot. So Isn't I finally got to the point where I realized that story is important. So now I collaborate with people that I like their writing. But it, I mean, and isn't <laughs> writing just like directing in the sense, though, that you're just going to be bad until at some point it clicks <laughs> and you figure it out? Probably. But I think I, I feel like I just gave up on that idea. And now I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm not a writer director. I'm just like a director who collaborates with good writers. I get so. the sense that might be harder on the Omaha scene to just be a director. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. Yep. And luckily, I've found uh, somebody I've been working with, Christine uh, Bright McGuigan. Mm-hmm. So she wrote the headliner, and I've worked with her on a couple of little shorts now. But uh, and she wrote the feature. Uh, so anyway, I'm planning on making the headliner into a feature. Mm-hmm. But she wrote that script. So she wrote, um, and we're still in the process of revising and stuff. But there's a, we have a first draft, and she wrote that too. But yeah, I'm glad that I honestly when you don't have a a writer that you want to work with yet it is so stressful as a filmmaker like you're like okay I have to find a good writer and so luckily I found somebody who I thought was good enough and my taste that's the that's the thing is it has to be that combo of taste and talent especially in Omaha 
how do you even know which writers are out there, let alone what you whether their taste is you, aligning? You to seriously yours? don't. Like it's like it's like trying to get a job or like trying to like find job postings or something. Like it's you you just don't. Like you have to get lucky. Like, well, because like they probably even if they are the perfect person for it, they probably haven't written anything that made it to uh, yeah that uh-huh. got produced that you saw anything yeah. like that. Yep. And so the way that I so I was friends with. Um, this guy, uh, this guy, Matt McGuigan. And then he was like, Oh, my wife, uh, writes like, uh, shorts and stuff. And she has a couple short films. And so I met her and she was like, Oh yeah, I write, I have a couple short films. And then I edited like her two little shorts that she made just on her DSLR. Like, I think she just did it all herself and everything like that. And so I edited those and I thought they were funny. Like, even though the production wasn't like high quality, I was like, Oh, these are funny. Like I like the writing. It's super like, kind of like witty and vulgar and just kind of weird and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So then I was like, oh, we should work together sometime on something. And then honestly, that's how it started. So it was seriously random the way I met her. Did did you already have the idea for the headliner, though? uh, I had the world. Like uh, I was like uh, just as far as like I was like, okay, I want to do a short or a movie about stand up comics. I knew I wanted comics. I wanted it. And she changed like a lot of the ideas I had, which is good because I start out. I started out with like I forgot what I even said. But it got completely changed. She could probably tell you what I originally said, but I knew I wanted like stand up comics and I wanted it to be like an older guy that was like mid 50s or like mid 40s that was like going through some weird family stuff. And like I I totally forgot, actually, but I had set up this like stand up comic world that I wanted it to be in. And then she just made it and she like redid stuff and like made it different. And it ended up way better than like my original like and I didn't even have like a hardcore idea. That's the thing is like I just come up with like I know it sounds cheesy, but I call it a world because I'm like, oh, I'm going to set up the world and then let that person like write within that world. Like, That's interesting, though. I mean, mm, what, or I'll have a character idea or something. What drew yeah. you to the stand up comedy world? I'm just obsessed with it. Like, I, I just love it. Do, I you, love do you ever do stand up? Uh, I don't. Although some of my friends say that they, they think I should try it. And I'm well, like, you've tried eh, everything else. So. Why not? <laughs> I know. Exactly. It's funny because that's the thing that would make me most nervous, like even more than like playing music or like doing anything like that. that just, there's that, yeah. that immediate need to have a laugh kind of with that. Because like I feel like in a lot of other mediums, you can get away with doing interesting things, but stand-up comedy, you pretty much have to get that laugh every so often or else yeah. you're just, it's not going that well. Uh-huh. And I feel like my funniness is just like like random as far as uh, like when I get a laugh. It'll just be in real life like... I'll be out with people and I'll say something and like that'll get a big laugh. But I do not think that if I actually planned and I did, a, I don't think I could get good laughs like with a stand up routine. So, but I mean, yeah. are you drawn? So you're interested in comedy though in general? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I love it. And speaking of that, uh, so with the headliner, I actually had a, a stand up comic, uh, Zach Peterson, write the material for the main character. So, my main character is actually just an actor and he mm-hmm. doesn't do comedy. So, um, he seems so comfortable in that though. I yeah, mean, it wouldn't Derek. surprise me at all if Derek, you told me Derek did stand that's up the as thing. Well. And that's the thing is that like, uh, so Zach Peterson was like, he did a good job. Like I liked that on camera. Like he was like, he was natural and he did a good job reading the material and everything. So yeah, he comes off as like he, is, he could be a stand up, mm-hmm. And so like that was, that went really well. And Zach was actually a comic out of Chicago, but recently he moved back here. So Here's a clip of Derek Silkman's character in the headliner performing his stand-up comedy routine. When did we decide that restaurants had become so complicated that we needed instructions on how to order? You ever go into a place, you sit down, and they say, have you been here before? 
and then they proceed to tell you how to eat <laughs> in a restaurant. Whenever I sit down and they ask me, have you been here before? I always say no, but I have been to college, so I think I can figure out a menu with different kinds of fish on it, but I would like someone to cut up my food into tiny pieces for me so I don't choke. Thank you very much, folks. I'm Chad Allen Nielsen. Enjoy the rest of the show. Well, okay, so the headline, you have the idea, and you give it to Christine, and what's the process of her actually writing it then? Is it she's giving you drafts along the way? Does she just yeah. give you a finished one? Yeah, I think she likes to give, uh, like, the first quarter of it, and then, well, no, she, she, I think what she does is she gave me a synopsis first, like an entire, she likes to lay out the entire storyline. Okay. So she and works so like she that. G- she's yeah. Like, she she knows gives me the storyline or at least like a rough storyline. And then she will give me the first quarter of the script. And then usually it's like, I'll get antsy and be like, Oh, uh, what, what's up with that? Like, uh, are you working on that? Like, I always feel bad, like pushing people or like bothering people. So I'm like, Oh, what's, what's going on with that? And so usually I'll just get all of the rest of it at once, like at least the first draft. Like, here's a quarter, here's the synopsis, and then, like, I'll wait and wait and wait. And then I just get, like, everything at once. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, it's always worth the wait to get, like, the rest of it. Is it like she has to just let it sort of sit in her mind long enough until it all clicks for her and then she sort of marathons I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I Actually, I should ask her because yeah. that would be interesting <laughs> to know, like. It's always weird, though. Like, I always feel like I'm bugging her. Like, I'm always like, hey, where is that? So, like, that would be fun to actually, like, talk about that type of stuff with her because maybe she should be on here. I would love that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And she does other stuff, too, like cool other screenplays. And Did she just like do some talk at UNO about yeah. that? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. She showed. Yep. Uh, the headliner showed, and then she talked. Or wait, uh, the one at Kaneko Gallery is that? I can't remember. I just it I, was it was through you and a writer the writers thing. Yeah, but then she we showed the headliner and then she talked about screenwriting. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. She well, was really cool. Did you get the sense as you were working on this one that this was going to be sort of a special short that was really going to resonate with a lot of people? Did I think tell? so. Like I know that a lot of people are kind of in the whole stand up uh, into the stand up thing now. Like as far as shows, there's like Crashing, and then there's other movies where there's and honestly, the new Twilight Zone. I it saw was that funny because yeah. I had made the headliner. Not that there's even any like anything that could be copied, but like somebody was like, "Dude, did you see?" Or Aaron Gum told me this. He was like, "Did you see that Twilight Zone with the stand up?" And I was like, "No. What? What was it? Uh, like, what was it like?" And he's like, "There are so many elements that were like the headliner." And I was like, "Oh, I that's crazy." That actually, yeah. like, I was like, "That's cool." <laughs> but I think it's because like there's only so much you can cover with like stand up. Like, yeah. So that's the thing is like, yeah. But anyway. But I mean, yeah. so like, I'm sure you'd made plenty of shorts before that you know, landed to varying degrees of success. But like this one seems like it's achieving a little bit more than the usual ones do. It is, which is good because it's the newest one. Everybody that makes stuff wants their newest thing to be doing better. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, why do you think that is? Is it just that people like stand-up? Is it just the right combination of funny and sweet and sad? Or, I mean, what is it? I'm hoping that it's a combo of everything. Uh, mainly, of, main, most of all, I'm hoping it was the writing because, like, that's that's a solid bet. And like, uh, as far as like, and then we're transitioning into making a feature. So, mm-hmm. I'm hoping it was like story and the writing and the characters and stuff like that more than anything else. So, well, okay. So the process then you had the script. Did you know Derek was going to play this guy? Immediately? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. And I forgot if uh, if I had him in mind already. I think I did. Yeah. 
He's just so perfect in that role. It's one of those things. It's like I could never picture anybody else doing yeah. that. And that that actually uh, is funny you mentioned that because so in getting in early pre-production for the feature, um, I actually recently got a producing team on board and they think big. Like they think like, oh, this could do this, this and this. And like we know these people and like this could happen. It could get really big or just whatever as far as producing and raising money and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, okay, let me stop you. Before anything, I am never replacing Derek <laughs> and I'm never replacing Bruce. So like that's the other comic that's his buddy in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that has to be the duo. Like they have to be the friends. And so I told him I kind of had an idea of uh, there's like three uh, ladies in the in the movie, like um, the ex-wife who he's still friends with, the daughter and then the daughter's friend who he weirdly starts dating, mm-hmm. which is super awkward because there's such a big age difference and everything. But I was telling the produ- uh, the guy that jumped on as the producer that if they want to do anything big or cast anybody bigger, like we should focus on like the women in the story. Because that would be kind of a cool to me. That would be a cool indie film where the main characters, the two guys are actually nobodies like in. I don't mean that offensively. No, I know you. Mean. You're <laughs> yeah. not a lower level, but they're yeah. like, yeah, like they're like local actors that are still awesome. But then, like, we focus on casting big for the like the women. That would be kind of cool. That like, is cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, it's cool you're sticking with Derek. I mean, that, it yeah. would be sad to That's see it not thing. be Derek. And I yeah. even told him that I was like, I, "Don't worry, I'm never replacing you, even <laughs> though I, we have to work around your schedule." Like right. he, yeah, because he's a teacher. And he teaches like, all he te- over. Yeah, he, he yeah. teaches at different schools, and he's like, I can't get off those days. And I was like, God damn, <laughs> it's a good it. impression. Yeah. Of him. <laughs> and so I'm like, dang it! Like not even when we're making a two week movie, like you really can't like take off. And he's like, no. And I'm like, damn it. So anyway, well, did you know when you were filming it as a short that it either had the legs or that you wanted to do a feature, or was that something you just discovered when it seemed like okay, well that worked, that was good. I think it was an after, like after the fact thing, because I, I I knew I wanted to do a feature, and I think it was just a thing where like like feeling those like the short and the characters and stuff like that. I was like, we could make this into a feature, but I wanted to be different. I thought the short was a little bit like heavy, like it was kind of too deep. It was like the guy dies, and you know, so yeah. You thought it was too deep? I thought it was a little bit okay. too dark, almost like not too dark, but just like I I want a little bit of a lighter vibe. So. Okay. So yeah, the feature is going to be a little bit lighter, still, still like a dramedy or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's just a, I did, I don't want it to be like somebody has to die or something like that. So. Well, and so is is the process of doing it as a feature? Then uh, I mean, are you guiding the story a little bit more then, or is it Christine? No, she totally out? is like I'm just trust. I was trusting her to just come up with the entire thing. And you you said you have a draft of it that you like, but we did have a meeting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we have a first draft, and I absolutely love what she's done. Nice. So like, there's like a couple little things that are, where we have little revision ideas and stuff like that, where I was like. Oh, maybe like with this, you know, just some little ideas, but nothing like too intrusive or whatever, because I want to like stick to her original writing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was super happy with it, which is kind of a scary thing, especially with a feature where you're going to be raising a lot of money and putting a lot of effort into a movie. And especially it's my first movie. So there is just so much pressure. When I got it, I was actually completely relieved when she sent me it because I was like, oh, my God, I actually like it. Like, (laughs) it's just crazy. Well, so and then the budget are you looking to disclose any budget stuff? I mean, like how big is it? So my initial idea, honestly, and it might've been, I think my initial idea was realistic, which my initial budget idea for the feature was going to be like 20,000. Okay. So So that's like a very realistic, like 
like Midwestern indie film, like budget, mm-hmm. like even though that's really not that much money. Like I mean, my idea was 20,000. When we're saying a big it budget a for lot. short is like 2,000, 3,000. I mean, oh, yeah. you're, but you're talking about the feature. Yeah, right? no, but yeah, I'm saying yeah. like just in comparison, it's like so, it's that many times bigger yeah, than what so a short would be. I was thinking 20,000. And then of course, when I brought on like the, the producing team, uh, how'd that happen? He was, how do you get a producing so team? So I had known this guy, um, uh, Chad for a long, Chad Bischoff. He's, uh, he's like, he's done a, a few features. I think he's done maybe five features or something like that. Just, uh, a few here. And then I think a few in LA or something like that. But I just knew I've known him forever. Like since I was younger and I knew that he had put together, like I knew he knew how to do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I knew he's done like some legit, like movies were on that side of the producing side, everything was done right. Everything was done legit. So I just, I wanted that help as far as that. So I had a meeting with him and I didn't really say that I wanted that. Cause I didn't know that I wanted that. Honestly, I was just kind of feeling it out and talking about it. And then by the end of that meeting and then another meeting, I, I could tell that I that it would be a good match and that I wanted to bring him on. And I was hoping that he'd be interested. So I was like, oh, I'll send you the short and this, the first draft of the screenplay and stuff like that. And then I didn't bug him because I was like, well, we'll just see how it goes. Because honestly, it's like a, it was almost like a relationship. Like I, I wanted him to either be into it or if he wasn't, then I didn't want to be involved anyway. Like I didn't want to start that relationship for filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So he got back to me, like, I want to say like a week or two weeks later. So I was kind of like waiting and I was like, Oh, I wonder if he read it or if he liked it or if he maybe didn't like it and just didn't get back to me. But then he got back to me and he was like super into it. And he's been trying to like already super excited about it and trying to like tell people about it and start early, like producing stuff. So, and so, I mean, does that money come from reaching out to investors at this point then? Uh Okay. And And we haven't really uh, dove into that yet. So, is so with that you want to have like a finished script in some ways yeah. and then maybe some cast figured out and yeah more spec- you would ha- you you lay out everything just like like the the like the look book or whatever it's called like uh get all the looks that you want maybe get like a playlist of music just even for vibe mm-hmm. uh yeah maybe a final script or at least something close to a final screenplay um yeah pictures of everybody you're thinking as far as casting and stuff like that and so you got to have a pitch package ready to show people so is the plan then i mean obviously it's an omaha project so i mean is the idea to keep it in omaha then film it here or would you want to go somewhere else yeah it'll mainly be here so so it's a two two friends that are stand-up comics and it'll mainly be it'll be taking place in omaha but they go on a regional tour and so they actually go to kansas city lawrence and then chicago and I think like Iowa City or something. I think that was the other one. But uh, essentially, I don't think we'll actually go to all those cities, but we will go to Kansas City and Chicago. So, nice. Okay. Yeah. And that's to keep mm-hmm. like kind of a different sort of momentum with it to some extent. Kind of. And I, just because they're on the road and I don't want to like fake that all in Omaha. Right. It's not yeah. that hard to go to like Kansas City and Chicago. So, right. Like <laughs> I think we'll just go and do that. But that will be like a bare bones crew. Like once we go to if when we go to Chicago and like Kansas City, it'll be like camera sound like maybe one person doing lighting and then that's it like, right yeah yeah so we'll keep it simple well so it's gonna be a two two week shoot you said uh i mean preferably i'm hoping it'll be about two weeks and also since there's stuff in town we can we can always throw together like short shoots here in town like mm-hmm. if we need anything on top of that so, so yeah so. do you feel like crazy. you know what this movie will be then by the time you actually get there or is it still gonna be that process of? i like- think it's still developing as far as all that and everything like I'm excited to see like casting ideas and like uh, the final like screenplay like because we just have the first draft so I know it'll change and mm-hmm. stuff like that and 
yeah, so I'm excited to see what it develops into. But I have a little bit of a like a an idea of what it'll look like and what it'll be like. But I'm just hoping we keep improving it until we shoot. So we got I mean, a lot of time. Is it more daunting or exciting at this stage? Um, right now, it's exciting. Uh, mainly, like work stuff is daunting. So yeah, there's the everyday life stuff is more daunting. Like <laughs> the movie stuff seems like more fun. So that's good. That's good although finding money is hard. So that's kind of daunting. Is that going to be uh, backers outside of like a crowdfunding sort of context? Then? Uh, we're actually going to do both, oh, which okay. is, I think, the best way to go, because you can get that that market and friends and stuff like that. that want to like because there's two different types of people that like an actual investor will want a contract and they'll want to give you like, you know, five thousand dollars. But I want I potentially want my money back. Mm-hmm. And then you have friends that are like, I could do twenty five. Like, you know what I mean? So right. that's they're two totally different types of people. So I think it's good to do both to yeah. get those different like income sources. So. Well, the headliner seems like it's just it's really making an impact on people. Like people really like it. They want to support it. They want to see it. Like I was sitting next to Aaron Parks even at Sweet. the Lincoln Short Film Festival and he was mumbling to me like this needs to be a feature. I know he's working on that's it. Cool. So, like, I mean, it, that's it, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the fact that it's connecting with people has got to make you feel like, okay, this is worth the effort yeah, it's going to take to put definitely. this together. We've got some good feedback on it, so I'm happy about that. And even just like little things, like, uh, so my friend Bruce Briggs, who was the other comic and his buddy in the movie, he uh, he wrote stand up for the first time for the movie. Like his whole, and he had like he has like one or two jokes in the movie. But he did like his set was like twelve minutes long, like, and he had like a legit like people nice. liked his set. Like, you gotta so do I, the next I, one. That can be your uh, Hitchcock <laughs> cameo, <yeah>. exactly. <laughs> but I was telling him, I was like, you should just start doing stand up, and I, he never followed through with doing it. But he was kind of thinking about it. He's like, oh yeah, I could just go do this set at like a open mic or something like that. But just little things like that like bring you joy when you make a film. Just like. You know, just something that entertains you like that or somebody else doing something cool, too. Like, yeah, not just like the selfish, like, oh, I directed a cool short like or I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, it's bigger than that. It's part of the community thing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. especially here in Omaha. Uh So, yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck with it. I'm really excited to see how the feature turns out. Thank you so much. Tony Bonacci's short film, The Headliner, is available on YouTube. Hector Anchando is a blues musician who won first place in the 35th Annual International Blues Challenge. He's working on a new album, but one of the markets hardest hit by the current pandemic is any kind of live arts. Anchando spoke to me about how COVID-19 is impacting his life as a musician and how he's working to reach audiences nevertheless. You've been doing blues for a while. Uh, I assume right now it's got to be a weird time to be a musician with COVID and just the lack of audiences you're able to do. How are you adjusting to the new life that we have right now as a pandemic is happening? Try to slash my bills in half because I, I think that it's you know it's not going to be a quick road back to financial security. You know that's going to be a while, and and so far, I mean, in some ways, it's. I've had more people than I would from touring, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm not making as much, you know, it's not as lucrative as touring, um, in some ways, but in other ways, you know, I, in a, another way, I don't have as much, as many bills to pay from not touring. So, I mean, it's like, you know, so just trying to figure out ways to make money in the new world of, of live streams where can people catch your live streams uh right now i uh well this week on uh, usually i do uh, every wednesday at 7 p.m central time um and i call it wine wednesday for my my personal facebook page my band facebook page and 
uh, YouTube live as well. I've been doing it, I, I, you know, just doing it solo, which gives me a nice edge, you know, that I can play a solo show. It's turned into more, a little bit more singer-songwriter kind of a vibe. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a, a loop pedal, too, so that I can do, so I can do a lot. I can still jam, you know, because one of my favorite things about playing live you know right now live uh, is you know just play you know mm-hmm. to do Im- to improv and and play in the moment you know just to be in the moment you know mm-hmm. and uh so i get at least i can get some of that it's still not the same not being in front of a real live audience but um but at least i can still tap into that and you said you're working on your new your next album right pretty much the whole thing's ready i'm just trying to figure out uh where I'm going to record it at. Mm-hmm. I do have, uh, I can't really make any announcements yet, but I have a, a record label that will release it. It'll, you know, so it's going to be, it's not going to be like your ordinary kind of a record label artist arrangement. It's going to be different. You know, there, it's going to be a situation where they'll put the record out for me mm-hmm. if it works out, which it sounds like it's going to work out. So I just got to, um, I got to send them one more song of that. I was going to be on the album so they can hear it. And, I got the, the green light from them. So, yeah. It's great. So, I just got to figure out where I'm going to record it. So, I'm kind of bouncing around with a couple different places. Yeah, that's really exciting. Does it have a name yet that you're allowed to say? You know, well, I did have a name for... I was going to put out a... Band, uh, well, this is going to be more of a solo singer-songwriter, bluesy album, mm-hmm. acoustic. And before the pandemic hit, I was going to put out another full band album. And... So a combination of things have happened, uh, you know, with winning the, the International Blues Challenge uh, as a solo act, you know, solo acoustic act, and the pandemic, uh, it just, it feels, so I switch things up because it feels, it feels like the right time to put out an acoustic album that's going to be more personal, um, it's going to be more intimate and more feel for uh, whatever, everything that's going on right now. And so... So that was a long roundabout way to say I have now I'm changing the name because it's, it doesn't really work for, you know, a solo album as it did for a full band, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I have no idea. I'm back to square one on the album. <laughs> Where's the best place to get everything you're up to? Yeah. Uh, the best place, probably uh, Hector on And the Facebook page is probably the, the best source of info um, my youtube channel that i've been really working on growing this year uh is going to have a lot more content coming and, and a lot more updates about where, where i'm at with you know with the career and uh the current the current environment you know that we're all in right now you can check out hector's live streams every wednesday on his youtube channel hector on chando and here he is playing us out Riverside Chats is produced in conjunction with KIOS and Exarbon Creative. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos, though not this one. This is Hector Anchondo. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowitz. You can find our backlog of episodes wherever you get podcasts. And while you're there, please give us a review. Next week, I'll be talking with Fatima Flores Lagunas. I am Tom Noblock, and as always, thank you for listening. titled, Sometimes Being Alone Feels Right.